Kids today say that they are not listened to. They are not heard. Adults don't listen to them. And restorative gives them that opportunity to be listened to and to be heard. Welcome to part one of episode 17 of Partner Up, your church school partnership podcast. Each week, we bring you inspirational stories and practical tips to help you in your church school partnership. Today, we're beginning our conversation with Roxana Barnes of Aleaf Independent School District. She'll be explaining to us the core principles of restorative discipline. And next week, we'll talk more about what this looks like in our church school partnerships. Whether you're mentoring a child one-on-one, helping with an after-school program, or doing anything that involves a particular child or a group of children, you'll want to listen to this podcast. She gives some really practical step-by-step tips for creating a safe environment for children where they can really be heard. Join us as we talk with Roxana. All right, Roxana, the first question I want to ask is what do you love about Houston? And maybe what do you love about Aleaf in particular? Well, what I love about Houston is, um, well, I'm born and raised from here and all of my family is here. So I love having that close connection with my family. What I love about Aleaf is the diversity. You know, we have 82 different languages that are spoken within our community, and I love the diversity of the district. We were talking earlier um, about how that's been pretty recent. Um, Just in the past 20 years has really become more diverse. Yes, yes, it has. We're highly, we have a high population of Burmese children. Uh, We have all languages. We have um, different ethnic backgrounds, our kids, and the beauty of that is our kids will walk away and they know how to get along with everyone. There's no fear. Mm, oh, they understand how to accept everyone for who they are. They can accept people for their cultural differences, their backgrounds, and where they come from. I really like that a lot. Yeah. I like the idea of the fact that you get to interact with different people. And yeah, yes. that taking away the fear of people who are different. Yes, yes, absolutely. Awesome. I love that. Um, So today we're going to talk about this idea of restorative discipline. Um, Can you share, like, how did you first come across this? I don't even know what to call it. Is it Is it a discipline? Is it a field? Is it a study? Or what is restorative discipline and how did you come across it? Well, restorative discipline, it's definitely not a program. It's a it's a process. And I say it's a process because it's ongoing. You know, it's all about relationships and you don't stop building relationships. So it's an ongoing process. How I got started with it is we actually have a very supportive superintendent in our school district, H.D. Chambers, and he works closely with Commissioner Marath. And in Texas, Restorative was brought here in 2015. We did a study And we looked at the number of office referrals and the number of offenses, the number of African-American males that were being pushed out of the school system. And we had some of our service centers that had a high number of males being pushed out. And African-American males, our black and brown boys in particular. And so we looked at those service centers and Commissioner Murath said, we're going, we need to do something about it. We know that there are other states that are using restorative, and 
we really don't know much about it. It's working in other states. Let's see if we can have it work here. So he targeted the top 10 service centers in our area, in the te- in Texas. What is what is that? What are those? That's service like centers? region one, region okay. two, region three, our educational service Got centers. It. I see. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we targeted the ones that had the most office referrals for African-American males and black and brown boys. And we decided that we were going to train those service centers, our people in those areas, and bring the restorative discipline to Texas in order for some of our school districts to start using the practices to see if we could turn around, make a change, turn those office referrals around, decrease the number of office Mm. referrals. And you said what year was that? 2015. 2015. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so can you start by sharing a few of just the core values of restorative discipline? What are some of the basic tenets of restorative discipline? The basic tenets of restorative discipline is simply it's meaningful relationships. It's it's building relationships. It's the importance of human connection. You have to connect with people, connect with our students before you give them the contact. Because we know that kids will not learn from people that they don't like. So it's all about that human connection. It's about meaningful accountability. When children, when they get in trouble, they will get in trouble. They will mess up every now and then. But it's about giving them consequences that are meaningful. Consequences should teach lessons. And that's the difference in consequences versus punishment. It is giving a sense of belonging, okay? The kids having a place to call home. Their school is their home away from home. Their classroom is their home away from home. You know, them taking ownership and taking pride in where they go to school. Uh, It involves having a positive climate, a positive school climate. You know, you can feel a campus that's restorative as soon as you walk into the building. It's all about that first initial reaction that you get from the secretary or the first person you meet. It's the greeting. It's the warmth. It's the way that you are welcomed in to the school. It's that it's the connection. It's making a connection. And it's making people feel valued. That's what restorative is about, making human beings feel valued, like they matter. Awesome. So you go and you are training different campuses in Aliophysity on restorative discipline? Yes. What are some of the things that you teach the schools other than, yeah, this basic fact that it's about relationships, it's about meaningful relationships. So what are the specific things, some of the specific things that you teach the campuses? Okay, we talk to our campuses about doing a social contract, which is a relationship agreement, okay? And this is a relationship agreement about how we treat one another. You know, how are we going to treat each other as students, student to student? How are we going to treat our teachers, student to teacher? How should you treat your teacher? And then how should the teacher treat the students? And then how are we going to take care of our environment? So we let the kids have an opportunity to talk and share about those four quadrants. What are we doing? What are we going, how are we going to treat one another in this classroom? And we take a high focus on, on the relationship, not rules. We ask our teachers not to put rules on that. Hmm. You should have your rules up, but the rules are completely different from how we're going to treat one another. For example, you will have some 
kids that will say, we need to use kind words, be patient with me, care about me. And we have kids that will actually say those things. Some of the kids will ask their teachers, don't yell at me. And if you put that on that relationship agreement, you have to honor it. And we're all human. It teaches us that we're human. If we mess up, if a kid messes up, if that teacher messes up and does something that they promised they wouldn't do, you apologize for it. You apologize and you try not to make the same mistakes. It's important to apologize because we are teaching kids how to po apologize and accept, ask and accept forgiveness. Mm -hmm. We also teach something that is called a two-minute connection. You connect with your kids when they come in. It has nothing to do with content, nothing to do with academics. You're just asking getting to know you questions. It can be something as simple as what is your favorite restaurant? What type of pizza do you like? How many siblings do you have? What's your favorite movie? And all you're doing is you're getting to know your kids. You share as well. We always ask the adult to share, and the adult shares first, and we're all on the same level while we're sharing, and then our kids share as well. Okay. Yeah. We have our kids to, or we ask our, our teachers actually to greet the kids at the door with the greeting. How are you going to greet your kids? It is important for those children to see you standing at the door with a smile on your face and welcoming them into your environment. We ask our teachers to make your environment a safe environment. I talk to them about the difference between a safe environment and a dangerous environment. Safe meaning your, your classroom is inviting, it's welcoming. We can share in the classroom without feeling like I'm going to be ridiculed if I get an answer wrong. It's okay for me to fail in class because I'm learning through that failure. We also do something that is called 60-second sparks. And that's just giving positivity. Every so often we're saying positive things to our kids. We circle with our kids. What is that? Community circles. This is where we sit and we talk, we share, we listen. Our teachers, they will sit in circle with the kids, and we have, sometimes we have a theme. And it's just simply to get to know your kids. And you ask questions. You ask a, a getting-to-know-you question, and you go around the circle, and everybody has the opportunity to answer. And then once they answer, you, you ask another question. You typically have three questions. And it's okay for a kid to pass. If a kid does not want to, to speak at that moment, it's okay for them to pass because we're still participating in circle because we're listening. But we're teaching kids the importance of listening to the person who's speaking, not talking while somebody's speaking, but we're giving them that opportunity to share in a structured setting. Yeah. I love all of these different things that you're sharing about. I feel like it's kind of introducing or reintroducing like a human element back into the classroom where it's not just about transferring information or knowledge or content, but it's like this foundation of humanness and love, um, creating a safe space and that that's is what like the foundation. Uh -huh. That's uh -huh. it. It's about love. It's about care. It's about teaching kids how to be humane mm -hmm. because kids won't learn how to to be a human being just by them being born 
Right, right. No, yeah. they are Interesting. taught to be a hum- be humane by people caring for them, loving them, showing them empathy. Empathy is so important today for us to teach our students empathy. Empathy is a choice. And we have to teach them how to to care for others. Restorative also teaches them how to care for for you, how to care for their teachers. You know, our teachers spend so much time with our kids, and we have to teach those kids, our children, how to appreciate their teachers, how to value them for the time that they put in into being with them, they put in, in into their lessons. We do something also that's, um, we use mood meters. You know, this is where we teach our kids emotional literacy, how to be in control of their emotions. If I am upset, I don't have to, to yell, scream, use an appropriate language, throw a chair, throw a desk. No, but teaching them when I am angry, I have to recognize that I'm angry and I have to come up with ways to to control, keep myself in control. What do I do when I'm angry? Okay, how do I feel when I'm happy? And it's also okay, they need to know when their teachers are not okay. When their teachers feel bad, if I'm having a moment today where I'm sick, I'm not feeling good, it's okay for the kids to know that. Because if you are a teacher who built a relationship, a strong relationship with your kids, and if you tell your kids that you're sick, they will try their best to be on their best behavior because they know that you're sick. Wow. So it sounds like there's so much good wisdom here for just just people as people, like more Mm -hmm. than just... Um, like I was saying earlier, like the academic or intellectual mm-hmm. side of things, but just being humans, um, having emotional IQ mm-hmm. instead of just yes. intellectual, um, which seems to be even more prevalent, like people in the corporate world are starting to talk more about that as well, that it's mm-hmm. not just about hiring people who are smart or intelligent, but hiring people who understand how to interact with people, mm-hmm. who can empathize with people who have that emotional intelligence as well, not just the intellectual. So mm-hmm. I love that you're bringing that into the school day um, and introducing that to children at an early age. And then I love the idea that you're allowing the teachers to express their own emotions during the classroom and teaching children how to react to that mm-hmm. so that it is a mutually beneficial environment for both sides, both for the educators Mm -hmm. and for the students. Absolutely. We have to just remember our kids are humans. They're they're little human beings. And they have to recognize that we are human too. And so we're we're teaching them social skills. We're teaching them the skills that they're going to need to be successful in life. You know, kids don't come to school to learn math or English or science, but they will come to school to learn if they like you. They will come to school for that elective. I may come to math class, and I'm struggling in math, but I'm going to try my best because I don't want to let my teacher down. Mm, And that's what it's about. Yeah. Restorative also, we involve the parents. We also involve the community. Okay. We want to make sure that our we want to make sure that our parents understand that that we are stakeholders in their their children's lives. It takes a team, it takes a village to truly, truly shape and mold our children. We have at our alternative learning school, we have a restorative lab and we have started something last year actually where we do restorative circles with our kids. So when our kids, some of our kids transition out 
of the A-Leaf Learning Center and they go back to their home campuses before they go, we have a circle with those kids. So the Prevention and Safe School Specialist is involved. The ALC counselor is involved. What's Usually the that's the Alternative Learning okay. Center Thanks. Uh-huh. in, in A-Leaf. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the homeschool principal or assistant principal or a counselor, someone from that homeschool, sometimes the teachers that was affected by whatever happened will come and we all sit in circles and we invite the parent as well. And we talk about that kid's time at ALC, what they've learned and what are the goals that we have for that kid transitioning back onto the home campus. Our goal is for that kid to feel welcomed going back to the campus. Our parents love it. Our parents, the most of the parents that we have had to participate in Circle, they like it. They enjoy it. They always ask for more. We do parent trainings for some of our parents, and I have done restorative circles for a lot of our parents. Our parents always ask for more. Our parents want to be better parents. They want to learn more, and they want to understand how to to understand our kids today because they know that our kids today are completely different from what we were and how can they better serve their kids at home. They love doing the restorative circles. They love having the involvement, involving everybody in in their child's lives and in their lives. That's great. I feel like the this foundation of building relationships and really listening to kids can do so much in preventing some of the challenges that we see so often nowadays in terms of bullying or you know the increasing rate of suicides or even active shooters, um, kids who are, you know, frustrated and come back and, you know, commit some kind of violence. Um, Have you seen any effects on that? Or is that something that you're hoping that the restorative discipline um, values kind of prevents or decreases these type of things in the future? We have seen it decrease. Um, We have had some of our, our, my teammates have gone out on campuses and we have done bullying trainings for our kids. We've had situations where we've had kids being bullied and I know I myself have had to, just last year I had to do a campus training for uh, fifth and sixth graders on bullying because we did have some cyber bullying going on. And then I had to take a group of individual girls and work with those individuals because it was a small group that were doing some bullying. We've had bullying at the our, with our younger kids at the elementary levels. And I know that I have a teammate that she went and she did some training, some bullying training with a pod of kids. She did restorative circles in four classrooms. It was one girl that was being targeted by all four classrooms. So she went and did some training there. And we know the bullying did stop afterwards. Uh, two summers ago, myself and one of my partners, we got called in from our from summer vacation because we had a major bullying issue on one of our secondary campuses. And it was a group of about 10 girls. And it was something that went on for the, uh, the year. And 
we had to work with those girls during the summer, trying to get them ready to go for senior year because they were going into senior year. And we had to work hard to get those students and those parents, get everybody back on track because the kids were upset, the parents were upset. And we had to work really, really hard with, with talking to our kids and listening to them and training them. And, and sometimes there are some kids or parents, they're not ready for the restorative. And that's okay if they're not ready. There's, you can't bring somebody to a restorative circle that's not ready. What, so, are, what are normally the main things that cause a bully to be a bully? And then what have you seen opens their eyes to realize that they shouldn't be doing this? Well, in our younger kids, uh, what causes a bully to be a bully, a lot of times some of those kids are seen bullying at home. Sometimes they're the victim at home. And so when they get to school, you know, I now become the bully. Or sometimes it's simply that they don't have what somebody else has. You know, maybe I'm not that kid that has the nice, clean tennis shoes. I don't go and get my hair cut all the time. Um, I don't have the nice, crisp, clean uniforms or that nice backpack or a nice purse. You know, and, and uh, maybe I'm not that popular kid. And if I'm not that popular kid and that other kid is, you know, I want to target that kid. That other kid just simply has something that the other kid wants. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then what is it that changes them or causes them to have a new perspective that prevents them mm -hmm. from continuing to be a bully? Sometimes it's knowledge. Mm -hmm. I will say after doing one of my trainings last year with a sixth grade group that we had with cyberbullying, Sometimes it's just the knowledge, them understanding and knowing, hey, you're doing this, but these can be your consequences. Sometimes it's making an example, you know, of one, one per one kid doing something and that kid ending up going to an alternative campus can do it. Um, sometimes they just don't know. They don't know that it's against the law. Some of them, they haven't heard of David's Law. David's Law is our law on cyberbullying. Hmm. What is you know? that? Well, they, if, you know, if you're involved in cyberbullying, you, you have to have a consequence. Hmm. You have to, something has to be done because we've had too many kids to commit suicide over cyberbullying. And those laws are there. Our kids don't realize what I've noticed, fifth and sixth grade or younger, they don't realize that once you, your cyber footprints are always there. Once you put it out there, you can say you've deleted it from your phone, but it's out there. They can find you. Once you post that video, it's there. And they don't realize that if somebody does something and makes fun of someone, and, and let's say it is cyberbullying, and you go online, if you like it, if you comment on it, you are just as much as guilty, and you are at fault. Mm -hmm. And we've had some kids to say, but I just like the picture. But when you like it, you agree with it. So it was pretty eye-opening for a lot of our kids. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And what we saw after that, that one training I did at that campus, right after that, we had several kids coming to tell on different things that were <laughs> happening because they didn't wow. want to get in trouble. Interesting. Yet they just mm. don't know. They're so young. They don't mm. know. Okay. Mm -hmm. So an explanation of consequences. Mm -hmm. um, I would think from what you were talking about earlier, just helping people to understand 
um, emotions and listening. Like I would feel like that could be maybe a more positive way to help people mm-hmm. understand consequences. Like maybe some people are bullies and they say something and they don't realize the negative effects that it has on another person. I don't know and if there's any of that. Well, <laughs> and that's true. For uh-huh. some of our kids, uh-huh. yes. But for some of our kids, you know, I go back to that empathy. We have to teach kids the importance of empathy. We have to show it to them. We have to show them what it feels like. They have to hear what it sounds like. They have to know what it is. A lot of our kids today, they don't have empathy, and it's because it's not being taught. So if you don't know what it means to care for one another, I can tell you. Mm. Yeah, I could tell but you what you should do, but if themselves. they've never experienced mm-hmm. it, Got they're it. not going to know how to, how to, do it to give that, yeah, Got how it. to do it mm-hmm. themselves. I see. Now, some kids, it would they you can say those things, and it will be eye-opening for them, and they will stop, but there are some that know. Interesting. Yes. Okay. So then this, this makes me think that there is room for say, volunteers or churches to come in and show students one-on-one what empathy and listening and Mm -hmm. all of that looks like. We hope you'll join us next week when we continue the conversation with Roxana about how we can use restorative discipline in our church school partnerships. For more tips from leaders like Roxana, join us at our next Leaders Luncheon. Find more information at lovinghouston.net slash workshops. We hope you'll join us next week. But until then, we ask that you would subscribe, pass this on, or think about who else you can partner with.